Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. had read somewhere that the more times a story was told, the less accurate it became. Humans were prone to exaggeration. They leaned away from the parts of the narrative they found boring and leaned into the exciting spots. Details and timelines changed over years of repetition. The story became more myth and less true. Sylvie thought about how she and William rarely told their story and felt pleased. By not being shared, their love story remained intact. Anne Napolitano, Hello Beautiful. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm joined by my friend Hunter McClendon to talk about our favorite books of 2023. If you love hearing from Hunter, you might consider joining From the Front Porch on Patreon in 2024. There, Hunter and I will be sharing our monthly recaps of our conquering of the modern American classic, Lonesome Dove. Episodes will air on the last Friday of each month, which means you've got plenty of time to join or to cajole friends and families into joining us too. I think Shop Mom and Shop Dad are actually going to follow along in 2024. To join Patreon, just visit patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. Three tiers are available there, but the $5 a month tier will give you access to our Conquer a Classic episodes, and we hope you'll join us. Now, back to the task at hand. Hi, Hunter. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. As always, I love to be here. This is a fun, I feel like it's become an annual tradition at this point. Yeah, we've done this for like how many, like, I mean, it's been four or five more, yeah. maybe more. I don't know. I think, at, I think at least four years is what it feels like yeah. to me. We, um, and we, you know, we back in June, actually, listeners back in June, Hunter and I discussed our favorite books of the year so far. So we always I think for the past two or three years, we've evaluated at the midway point. So you can go back and listen to episode 430 if you want to hear our full conversation about what our reading life looked like back in June, which now feels feels just forever ago. Um, but but now we're back end of year to kind of see how our picks held up. Um, so. Have you looked at your June list? Yeah, I looked at it and I don't even, it's so funny because I think that, I think that one, two, three, three of the books are the same, I think. Okay, wow. Okay, I'm looking at mine. Okay, so how should we do this? Well, my list, my top, this is not surprising. My top couple, uh, my top few changed a little bit, but it is amazing what the back half of the year holds. The back half of the year held a lot of really good books and I'm going to need your help. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my number 10 spot, my number 10 slot. Are you? Yes, I really am. Okay. So back in June, I'm just going to run through mine really quickly. Okay. My top 10 from 10 to one. So my number 10 book back in June was how far to the promised land by Esau Macaulay. Number nine, if we're being honest by Kat Shook. Number eight, congratulations. The best is over by R. Eric Thomas. Number seven, Paper Names by Susie Luo. Six, Monsters by Claire Dieterer. Five, How to Stay Married by Harrison Scott Key. Four, All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. Three, Stealing by Margaret Verbal. Two, Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. And one, In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. Okay, what were your 
top 10 in June. In June, my top 10 were from 10 to 1? Yes. Am I saying the, uh, the author's names too? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, uh, sorry. My like brain's like, I, trust <laughs> you guys. It's, like it's, it's been a task. Anyway, so yeah, okay. So <laughs> 10 was In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. 9 was Witness by Jamel Brinkley. 8 was The Bastard Wilds by Lauren Groff. I can't believe I ranked that so low. I'm so rude. Okay, wait. Can I stop you? Yeah. I think this is reverse. I think you put them in this doc. We're reading from a doc. I think you put them in this doc reversed. You're right. Because there's no way you put Bastard I just refuse. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait a second. This is wrong. Okay, wait. Okay. I'm going to reverse it. Okay. Number 10 was Big Swiss by Jen Vegan. This is more like, okay. Okay. Big Swiss by Jen Vegan. Number... Nine was August Blue by Deborah Levy. Number eight was Monsters by Claire Dieter. Number seven was The People Who Report More Stress by Alejandro Varela. Number six was My Last Innocent Year by Daisy Albert Florin. Number five was The New Life by Tom Crew. Number four was Your Driver Is Waiting by Priya Guns. Number three was The Master Wilds by Lauren Groff. Number two was Witnessed by Jamal Brinkley. And number one was In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. Okay, that makes more sense. The Vaster Wilds, I was like, wait a minute. I know, I like, so was like, what? And also, it's so funny, because I put it there because I was like, well, I don't want to put it too high and like, and hype it. But I don't feel like, like at this point, I'm like, no, no, no. I need to stop like pretending like I'm like... <laughs> too cool. Not her biggest, yeah. Um. Okay, so before we debrief and we have not looked at each other's final list this is always my yeah. favorite thing we kind of surprise each other so before we get into our top 10 i just have a couple i don't know i just have like some basic questions so we are recording this end of year really truly it's december the publishing year is essentially over more or less no offense to books coming out this month but it is kind of a chaotic <laughs> it's a chaotic month and normally um most most of the books are are pretty well done by this point in the year so i'm wondering what what's one word that would encapsulate your reading life for 2023? Like to describe like the types of books I read or like my reading life in general, your vibe, your reading vibe. Um, <laughs> inconsistent. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I'm trying to think what mine is. I asked a question. I didn't, we did not prep for this. <laughs> yeah. The i I'll be honest. The very first word that comes to mind is fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like my reading life is fine, but that feels like it gives it's a disservice because I actually had a lot of books I really loved this year. And then I had a lot of books that I just thought were okay. But the books I loved, I really loved. And even in the months, like November was a really chaotic reading month, but because of audiobooks, I was still able to read a couple books that I really enjoyed. And I feel like overall, I was a little bit smarter about my reading life back in gosh, I don't know. I don't know when this was back in January. I, what's that app that makes your reading cute? <laughs> what's that app that makes your reading charts? Do you know what I mean? Somebody's yelling uh, at their phone right now. Oh, wait, yes. like, hold on. Wait, it's, that, not, it's that book app. Storygraph? No. Storygraph. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Storygraph. Okay. Back in January, when I put all my 2022 books into Storygraph, I realized that a lot of my lower ratings were given to romance novels. Uh -huh. And so I realized, oh, so this year when I read a romance novel or a romantic comedy, 
for the most part, I really liked it because I had learned to be pretty picky about that because I realized romance, romance isn't my natural genre, uh, perhaps, which I kind of thought it was, but I was like, no, romance is not my genre. Um, so I'm going to read books that come highly recommended by friends. So I think about my friend Kimberly who read a closed door romance and she was like, Hey, you're really going to like this. And I read it and you know what? Really liked it. Um, I read books by authors I trusted like Carrie Winfrey. And so I just, I felt like I was smarter. I read smarter, not harder in 2023. That's good. Like I, I think I, I truly just think that I was head empty Mm -hmm. going into 20. I was like, I'm just going to like, like I always feel so woo woo whenever I'm reading. I feel like uh, an episode of charmed where they're just like running their hand over a map and hoping for the best. That's kind of how I pick my books. (laughs) I like slap my hand on something and go, that's good. Yeah. No, I get that. I I also didn't read things I really wanted to. So meaning my 2023 was supposed to be my Wendell Berry year. Uh-huh. Y'all, I read Wendell Berry poetry and that's it. Like I tried to I picked up Jaber Crow and then like got distracted. I don't know. Turns out my work life really affects my reading life. Like Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. It it really affects because I'm reading so much for work reading something like Wendell Berry can feel frivolous or like I don't have time, which isn't true. Okay. And so anyway, I'm going to be carrying my Wendell Berry resolution into 2024. I have not given up on that. Um, I really do want to read him. And so I'm hopeful to read, to read more of his fiction works in 2024. But anyway, so that's an example of like something that really didn't work for me in my reading life. Yeah. And yet it's okay that it didn't like, it's okay. I didn't mm-hmm. have a terrible reading year because I didn't do that one resolution. Right. Um, were there any like backlist books that stood out to you this year that you just loved? Yes. Empire Falls. I really did love. Uh-huh. I mean, it took a direction I wasn't expecting, but that's a title that like, yeah. I thought, Oh, I'm really glad to have read this actually. And then there was, I'm going to pull up the river by Peter Heller is was a really great I had not read him before and I really thoroughly enjoyed that reading experience I enjoyed reading that backlist title I read Bluebird Bluebird by Attica Locke I thought that was great I read You're Not Listening uh, for our town's one book selection that's technically a, a backlist title and I really did like it and then probably my favorite one of my favorite backlist titles this year um was Glaciers have you read that by Alexis Smith no Okay, that was a really beautiful, really beautiful book, little almost novella um, that got re-released this year, I want to say, with a new cover. But it was a backlist title. And then Tracy Smith's Ordinary Light. Oh, yeah. I wanted to read that. Yeah, that was my book club read that book. um, And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, off the top of my head, those are some of my favorites. What about you? I... I read a lot of backlists this year, actually. Um, I read a, this like kind of creepy book called Hawk Mountain uh, by Connor Habib. And that book was like bonkers. Um, really enjoyed that one. I read a lot of translated literature and a lot of um, a lot. I read a book called um, this. It's a it's a it's a certain title. It's The Sluts by Dennis Cooper. Um, <laughs> June, I like unless you are me as a person don't read that book because i really enjoyed it <laughs> i do not like you you do not you don't read it because you would get like a page in and be like hunter what is happening hunter is so good about can can i tell you i oh god i am ashamed to say this but back in the day 
I was a pretty legalistic Christian and which look, there's also nothing wrong with having certain sensitivities. My mother is a sensitive reader. She does not like language in her books. I am not here to judge that. I, in fact, I love my mom and I love the, the boundaries she sets for herself. So I'm not here to judge anyone for those boundaries. But I will just say that back in the day, I was hesitant to watch TV shows that had a lot of stuff in it. And I wish I could remember there was like a service that you could like download or probably not. This is probably before you could even download stuff. But like you could basically like instead of using a VCR, you used this kind of VCR and you put your Husbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never got one. Um, but I wanted one cause I was like, oh, I can watch whatever I want, but it would just like mute the bad words for you or like blip out the sex. Uh-huh. You are my cuss buster. You are, <laughs> you like, you tell me, um, my boundaries are different from my mom's, but you do. You, I always text Hunter when I'm like, Hey, what? I, and you're not, it's not just about like cussing or sex, or like whatever, but it's also just in general, you know me pretty well. And so, you know, if a book is for me or not, and I am very grateful for that. Well, that's the thing. I think, you know, I think early on in our friendship, I liked I liked watching your reaction to (laughs) certain books. But at this point, I'm like, no, no, I don't need to traumatize her. (laughs) But but no, I definitely actually like but it's that's the thing, too. We talked a lot about this, right? Because like there's books like Fire Sermon and and Fates and Furies and stuff that some people have read it and been like, Annie, you like this? But it's like, no, no, no. it's like it's like it's the quality of it. That's that matters. Mm -hmm. It's the quality. And if it's part of the plot, like if it's part of the story. Yeah. That's really valuable. Yeah. I will say, going back to backlist titles that I really enjoyed, one that I want you to read that I think you'd love was Imagine Me Gone by Adam Haslett. Okay, I'm writing it down. I It was a National Book Award finalist and a Pulitzer finalist. Yeah, I think I remember the cover. Yeah, and I ended up, I wasn't sure what I was going to think of it. I ended up loving it. I thought it was beautiful and it's very, it was very like, it felt very, it feels so timely now to read it. So it's so interesting to read a book that came out several years ago that feels even more of the conversations we're having now. Um, but I, did you read it or listen to it? I did both, but I think it's a good audiobook though. Okay. But yeah. And I also, two authors that I read a lot of this year were Deborah Levy and um, Annie Arnaud and those were some of my favorite reads of this year because I just thought, I think there's a book called, one of her memoirs is called uh, A Frozen Woman, Any or No. And I think that is, if you're going to read one of hers, that's the one you should read. I think you would love it. Okay. Because somebody, one of our customers came into the store probably this summer and asked that we stock Annie Arno, which we do. Um, the bookshelf has stocked her, but I have not read anything by her. Um, and so I was curious where I should start. I think that's a really great place because she ha- cause she writes a lot about, I mean, a lot, a lot about her affairs and stuff. Uh, but that one is about a lot about her mom. And I think that that is just it's beautiful dynamic that she writes about. And then going back to Deborah Levy, I read I've read all of her work now. I told you to read The Cost of Living, which I think is beautiful. But also she has a novel called Hot Milk that I finished it. And it's one of those things where I'm trying to think about like how to describe like what like what the experience was. But it's just one of those where I I went in not really knowing what to expect. And it's not one of those books that's like necessarily like an easy read. Like I think that she's challenging in some ways, but it's exciting. And when I finished it, like I've reread the last two pages over and over again, because I'm like, this is just so good. And I, I love whenever a book rewards you with rereading too. 
That's good to know because she, we also keep her on our shelves and I, uh-huh. do you ever find it challenging? I feel like you've gotten so much better about this than I have. I really do struggle to either read backlist or it's like, it's like if I missed it as a bookseller, it is hard for me to go back. Like I, because I feel like I constantly have to be reading the newest, latest up and coming. And I really do struggle to prioritize not just backlist titles, but like titles that friends recommend or like, I just struggle with that. Like, I I don't know where it fits in my reading and maybe it would be helpful. I'm thinking out loud, but maybe it would be helpful to like have a notes app where I have like a list of books to keep an eye out for when I go to indie bookstores, when I travel, I love bookish serendipity. And I often rely on that when I go to indie bookstores, but maybe I should like have a little list of like your recommendations or books that I've seen that I maybe missed when they first released so that I could at least have some incentive to read them when I'm in an audiobook slump or something like that. And I could go and, you know, try, um, imagine me gone in audiobook format. Like the other day I was, I was at a loss about what audiobook to try. And I wound up downloading an ALC, which is fine. But maybe when I'm sometimes in a slump or when I'm out and about at the library or at the bookstore, maybe there are some, like, maybe I could keep a list on hand. Oh, let me tell you, my latest thing is if I'm, if I'm in a slump, I've just, as a new discovery for me is I have, I, if I listen to like an Irish, uh, narrator. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to be into it. And then I listened to, I like read and listened to Milkman by Anna Burns uh, last year, I think, which I, which you would love that. I think you'd love it on audiobook. Like it took a minute, but like, it's really good. But I, after that, that one, and then like, I don't know, there's something about like uh, certain Irish narrators and also certain British narrators. Like mm-hmm. there's that book woman eating the narrator of that was really good. And then, uh, and then, who was oh uh our wives down under the sea the narrator of that oh yeah i was like wow like i like was she british i didn't even know that yeah i would listen i was shocked i had no (laughs) idea i was like like if this is like and i can say this because as a homosexual but i was like british lesbian And, um, and I said that out loud uh, whenever I, because I started it at the gym and this woman like <laughs> turned to me and was like, what? And I said, I'm sorry. I was just stunned. I did not expect the accent. And she was like, okay. <laughs> no, that is brand new information <laughs> to me. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Are there any 2023 releases that you wish you'd made time for and you didn't? Oh, a lot. Actually, I just, okay. So I just started today and I feel like it would probably make my top 10 if I'd finished it, uh, is Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. <gasps> oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> I'm like loving it. I'm like, this is so good, but I'm not finished. So I can't do it. I was intrigued by absolution by Alex, Alice mm-hmm. McDermott. I was too. Yeah. The, the James McBride, the heaven and earth grocery store. <sighs> yes. I'm mad I didn't finish that. I'm mad about that. Right? Like, that's what, yeah. Uh, Northwoods, you and I talked about this, like, off yep. here, I think, maybe. Yes. Yeah, The Fraud by Zadie Smith. There's there's quite a few that I was like, ugh. Northwoods is on my list and The Bee Sting, um, because a couple of readers I trusted have really... Wait, did you read that? Yeah. I might have saved it from you. You and my friend Jennifer, do you think I would like it? Yes. I think that, um, I think that there is a section that she'd be like, I don't this this is uh-huh. a lot but i think you i think you'd fall into the rhythm of it and be fine i think sometimes i have to remind myself and this look i'm all for readers setting boundaries 
as I already mentioned, but occasionally, sometimes I feel like I talk myself out of books. And then I remember, for example, that I read and loved The Goldfinch, even though there's a lot of like drug, I really like drug use in that book where I'm like, uh-huh. I don't need to be along for somebody's high. Do you know what I mean? But in Donna Tartt's hands, I actually do. Like, <laughs> And so it's a good reminder that there can be things in books that like you think, oh, I, ca- I can't handle that. Well, you probably can. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can. <laughs> um. Okay. Should we do this? Yeah, I'm ready. Hunter, I... Uh... I don't know. My problem is I don't know what to put in my number 10 slot. Oh, this is awful. So you've got two there. I've got two there. Can I tell you the two and you tell me what should go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which there were three there, but I've recorded a podcast episode today called Unsung Books of 2023. It's just me. It's just me by myself talking about the unsung books of 2023. And I put one of them there. So in January, you'll get to hear me talk about that. I've got two in the 10 slot. You tell me what to narrow it down to. I have Stealing by Margaret Verbal, which the whole time has been high up on my list. Um, It was in my top five, maybe even my top three back in June. I think the problem is I read this book technically in 2022. I read it in December of 2022. So it's been a minute. And so there's some recency bias. Um, So Stealing by Margaret Verbal or Congratulations, The Best is Over by Eric Thomas. I know. Okay, wait. Okay, but wait, now I have to tell you what my number 10 is. Okay, what's your number 10? Congratulations, the best is over. <laughs> Should that be my number 10 as well? Yeah, we can be twinsies. <laughs> okay, it, that book is so good. And when I look back and think, I have a very distinct memory of being in my front yard, in my Adirondack chair, reading like not even the advanced reader copy hunter, reading one of those like bound manuscripts, which yeah. nothing, tell me if this is true. Nothing makes me feel cooler than reading a bound manuscript, right? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm the editor at some high power publishing firm. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel so important. Nothing is better than that feeling. Uh, but I was reading the bound manuscript and I literally was crying and then also laughing. And then Jordan and I were going to the movies or something. So we rode in the car to Tallahassee and I read it out loud to him. And do you know what Jordan said? Jordan said, Hunter could write a book like this. <gasps> ah! And I said, he totally good because all the pop culture references yeah. are so smart and witty and funny. Um, the ability to tell a really funny story. We always talk about you being my Phoebe Buffay, like the ability to tell a really funny, but also traumatic story. I feel like you and Eric have that in common. Meeting Eric this year also was like icing on the cake. Like it just felt like, I don't know if it, it felt like meeting a friend. Um, I don't know who out there is doing essays other than maybe CJ Hauser. And and those are just a different vibe. I don't know who's doing essays better right now. That's the thing. They're like, and it's it's so hard to find someone who's writing stuff that's as funny as is well written. Yes, 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 yes. Like typically you have kind of have to sacrifice language for for the humor. And he does doesn't do that. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Okay. Okay, yay, twinsies. I love when we overlap. It brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> I know. Which it's so funny, too, because like, well, and I, I will t- I will say this uh, in case he ends up ever listening, but I had this hire. But because at this point, I keep on telling everyone that we're friends. I didn't want people to be like, oh, like he's really happy with his, you know, because like I like made a joke the other day about how like I wanted to marry him. And someone was like, oh, did you actually like the book? And I was like, yes, I like the book. That's why I want to marry him. Right. They, co- they go hand in hand. Thank you so much. Right. OK. My number nine is Monsters by Claire Dieterer. OK. This is a book that stuck with me all year long. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I have continued to think about it. Um, I appreciated a critic and a writer writing about the thing that we all as readers are talking about. I mean, we're constantly having this conversation about which artists can we support? Why or why not? You know, who who are we supporting? Who are we listening to? Who are we reading? And I appreciate that to some extent, she doesn't fully answer that question. She instead kind of investigates where that question comes from. And and maybe we've been asking the wrong question all along. This is a book too, that I really appreciated for its accessibility, meaning it's a work of literary criticism, but I feel like it's entirely accessible. So you could read it in a classroom setting. I think it'd be very valuable there, but also I think anybody as a lay reader could pick this up and be not necessarily encouraged, but be informed. Yeah. I think it'll cause you to think, and I listened to this and really loved the audiobook format, but wish in fact, before the year's out, I probably should buy a physical copy because there was so much I wanted to underline. Um, I think this is one that you could have on your shelf as well as uh, the audiobook. Yeah, I have the audiobook and I have a physical copy and it's it's kind of nice to like go back and forth like with that one. Um, but yeah, that's like that's a spoiler alert. It is also on my on my list at some point. Oh, good. OK. Yeah. <laughs> so there's more overlap to come. OK, what's your number nine? My number nine is uh, Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. Which, did you read this? Yes, I did. I listened to it. Okay, did you? Oh, okay. This is interesting. Everyone told me not to listen to it. I would agree with that. I think, I wish I had read it. Okay. I think my reading experience was affected by my audiobook experience. Everyone told me. They were like, I, they were like, I did not like it on audio. And I, so I I was going to listen to it. And then I read it and like, it's beautifully written. I don't know how I would feel if it was not well narrated though well i think that's the problem is the book is so the word i kept coming back to is sensuous it is so sensory all about food and also do you think your reading was affected were you reading it in italy yeah 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 so um so that i'm sure that affected your reading but yeah like it, it was so sensuous that at first i was like oh i think i'm really gonna like this audiobook because they're really bringing the language to life. Um, But then as the book continued on, I really wished I was reading the physical copy. You didn't read How Much of These Tales is Gold, did you? I did not. Did you? Yes. Okay. Did you like it? Yes. I think it reminded me a little bit of uh, Swamplandia by Karen Russell, just in how it's like these like young children kind of like on their own, like forging out into the greater world kind of thing, trying to figure out stuff out. Um, and the language is just as rich, but in a very different way. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's so funny because I don't know if I, I do feel like the ending of Land of Milk and Honey uh, was a little, it, it didn't have as much of a punch as I maybe wanted. I would agree. But I think that the language was what kind of stayed in my mind. Yes. The, in fact, I just went back. I'm, I, I promise I wasn't distracted, but I was trying to find my review because I was like, what did I think about this? So I, um, I said, this is one of those weird books I find myself gravitating toward every so often. I was intrigued by the novel's premise, which if you and Tyler have not seen the movie, The Menu. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is what it reminded me of. Yes. So anyway, and that movie stuck with me a really long time. But and I said, although the book went on a bit too long for my taste, I'm glad I read it. Um, I I really liked it. And then I felt like it dragged too long. But I the language is remarkable. I do think he'd like Land of Milk and Honey, or I think he'd like uh, How Much of These Hills is Gold. I think that, uh, but yeah, that that her language is just so rich and beautiful that it's it's kind of hard to like, like it just sticks in your mind. And especially um, 
I would recommend just going back and reading the first couple paragraphs of the second chapter because to me that opening is so strong that I just think about like she talks about like smoking and like the stress and all this stuff and it's like yeah. the way she writes I'm like gosh I'm like it feels like so like in there um yeah yeah so I did I love that one I, I like yeah that's the thing the end it went on too long but like but I the language made up for it for me so okay I'm doing some last minute moving around. Hold on. Okay. My number eight is Shark Heart by Emily Hebeck. I loved this book. It was recommended to me by Keila and Aaron on staff at the bookshelf. It reminded me to some extent of The Swimmers, which was one of my like favorite, favorite books of the last couple of years, um, because the book is about a man, uh, a man and woman who are married and the man begins turning into a shark. And you learn as the book progresses that this is like she never treats it as something otherworldly. It's just part of um, this it's part of this setting in this environment that occasionally um, occasionally people begin turning into animals and it's like a disease. And of course uh, you, the reader quickly realize this is a metaphor of what happens when maybe you're in relationship with somebody who becomes terminally ill or is um, diagnosed with dementia or something like that. And so like what happens when your partner leaves you and, and enters a new world and it becomes this really beautiful allegory. The writing is great. It's deeply moving. Um, I love books about marriage and about relationships and at its heart, that's what I think this book is. Um, and so, yes, is it a book where a human becomes a shark? Absolutely. Um, it's like the swimmers. It's like our wives under the sea. It's like the harpy, but I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I could not believe it was a debut novel. It's excellent um, and worth, I think it got some hype maybe on Bookstagram and I, I just am here to say worth the hype. I thought it was outstanding. Okay. Now I want to read it. Oh, it sounds so good. It was really good. Okay. My number eight, uh, which it's so funny because I meant to put this on my top 10 back in during the summer, but I, I mentioned it even in the podcast and then I didn't add it, but it was a uh, brother and sister into the forest by Richard Mirabella, which is this book about, um, it's a book about trauma, about growing up queer, about sibling relationships, about addiction. Um, and Richard is, uh, he's a big fan of Joy Williams. And I think that if you've read Joy Williams that you might can like pick up on those vibes in this book. But like, it's one of those things, these books that I think that when I, I think that he said at one point that he structured the book emotionally rather than, uh, than chronologically, oh, like interesting. It's structurally emotional beats. And it's funny because like, you'd think that could potentially be confusing, but the way that it's written, it's so, it flows so smoothly. It is so the right, I don't know. There's just something so uh, clean and crisp about the writing. And I was, I connected so easily to these characters and it just felt very, it felt very, um, it was a world I was very familiar with. And so it was, and it's one of those things. I love a book that shows me a world I've lived in from a slightly different perspective and allows me to reconsider and recontextualize a lot of my own relationships and dynamics with other people. And that's kind of what this book did. And it's, and that's, and this is a book that is very kind and loving towards a lot of at times frustrating and despicable people. Uh And I love a book that does that. Yeah. Well, I think because we've had that conversation before, it's really hard to do. Um, And I don't know that people want you to do that. Sometimes I think we want, we want to villainize um, 
the characters in our lives, forgetting that the characters in our lives are actually people that we're in relationship with. <laughs> and so, yeah, how can we treat um, when we when we write or when we turn our life into copy? <laughs> uh, how do we how do we treat those people? OK, wait, what was the book called again? Brother and Sister Enter the Forest. OK, that's a good title, too. Mm hmm. My number seven is All My Knotted Up Life. This is a book by Beth Moore. She is a figure in the evangelical world. Uh, she made a lot of news. She was already pretty prolific, very prolific uh, in evangelical culture. But back in 2016, she really made headlines because she was somebody who came out pretty staunchly against Donald Trump and what that what that wound up costing her in terms of her platform, in terms of her, um, you know, her role in the Southern Baptist movement, in the Southern Baptist convention. So anyway, I've been fascinated by her. I, back in the day, I read a couple of her Bible studies and liked them, but maybe didn't fall in love with them the way some people did. I think people forget I was like raised half in, half out of evangelical culture. The Church of Christ world is weirdly, I would say, not evangelical. It's kind of its own thing. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, sometimes you can see that come out in in my relationship to some some aspects of evangelical culture. But I was intrigued by this book um, because of what happened in 2016 and because she wound up leaving the Southern Baptist Convention in the Southern Baptist world. Um, and I also left the church of my childhood and I thought that I would find a kinship in her there, and I did. But what I was pleasantly surprised to find was just a truly outstanding Southern Gothic memoir. Like, I did not realize what a talented writer she was. I really didn't. Um, and I was absolutely blown away. Um, I read this book in physical format. Jordan listened to the audiobook and loved it. And like I said, I really did find a kinship in the back half. That's where she particularly talks about kind of the late you know, 2016 and, and since and kind of what happened to her after that. But the first part of the book is this really almost like Glass Castle-esque story yeah. of her upbringing uh, in, in deeply rural Arkansas. She writes a lot about her marriage. I... I absolutely loved this book um, and really could have even put it higher. It's just some other books I read um, even more recently really resonated. But that is All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. I also would just like to put in a plug that I have several readers in my life who read this and love this and had no relationship to the evangelical world or to Christian culture. And so if you are like, oh, I thought that was a Christian book. Uh, I'm just here to tell you, I actually think it far surpasses that genre. All My Knotted Up Life. I love how like I'm like, I'm always just like adding things as we like to, I'm like, okay, that's not I know I'm literally taking notes. <laughs> that's the thing too. Like, it's so funny. Cause I think that like, because like, cause, you know, we, we talk about this, like we keep things like a surprise to each other a lot. And so it's like really exciting whenever we yes. get, you know? Yeah. Okay. My number set. So you and I talked off here a little bit about um, your slight disinterest with this year's national book award long list, which I have also been a little bit disinterested in, the past two years i've been like oh like some of these are fine but uh, you know uh so the book this next book was long listed but did not make the short list and it was actually my favorite book on the entire long list which is holler child by yes. latoya watkins she what else did she write because i'm familiar what pair a novel called parish yes 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 parish and i actually think i think that you would love holler child um it is a story collection that explores the idea of loss but like not just like losses in like death but also like loss of innocence or loss of 
a childhood like like a, a relationship with a child as they become an adult and how like you you gain a relationship with an adult but you do lose that that intimacy that you have with a child um and there's all the and so there's a lot of different or like or just like the loss of trust loss like it's, it's like very interesting the ways that she explores all these things in a very rich language that it reminded me a little bit i think if anyone's ever read uh daniel evans or uh Dantiel moniz or any of these uh yeah like it's or even like a little bit of brit bennett a little bit not too much but um definitely just like a very rich uh language that i love and so smart so um yeah or even there's oh heads of the color people did you read that no was that who is that uh nefissa thompson spires okay no i've read danielle evans but i haven't read that okay well i i think if you like if any of those i think it's you like you'd like color child but i just had this is like a very quick aside but i did meet nefissa thompson spires when i was at the national book awards ceremony thing okay and i was really drunk and i pointed at her and said what's your name <laughs> and she like froze and said nefissa and i said oh my gosh i loved heads of the color people you are amazing and i'm obsessed with you and i was like i'm screaming i apologize i'm just very excited <laughs> And she was like, okay. And she looked terrified. She looked like she thought I was going to murder her. And, and then she, and then she followed me on Instagram and I was like, okay, maybe she doesn't hate me, but, um, but, but anyway, but no, but, uh, but yeah, I loved Holler Child. I think that, um, I think that, um, I think you'd really like it a lot and it's a very quick read and it's good on audio too. Okay, good. I wrote that one down. Okay, my number six, and maybe we're about to get in a metaphorical fist fight over this. My number six is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, I feel like it could have been higher. Mm -hmm. And we may argue about this because there's another spot where it could have gone. <gasps> Should it have gone? Mm. Hmm. Is number six The Vaster Wilds? I'm happy with my number five. I feel like it could have swapped with my number four whatever too late the vaster wilds by lauren groff um <laughs> uh -huh. i i loved this book and i really was worried no it's my number four i'm moving it i'm moving it i'm doing it right now i'm gonna put my number six is let us descend by jasmine ward okay okay here's where i move why i'm moving that in real time uh my number six is let us descend i loved this book um mm -hmm. it was five stars for me i was disappointed that it did not make the Na speaking of the national book award i felt like it deserved to be long listed even if it did not mm -hmm. uh become a finalist um i like everything she does but yeah. i was pleasantly surprised she constantly surprises me because i am not somebody who i'm not a reader who loves magical realism um and mm -hmm. she incorporates an element of magical realism really into all of her books um mm -hmm. and i was struck by all the interviews that she has given about this book she talks about her own story of grief and, and the yes. loss of her partner before the pandemic and or during the pandemic and and how that affected her writing life and how that affected her her uh, as a person and you can really feel that palpably throughout the book um the book's main character Annis or anise uh has this relationship with her mother that is deeply moving and then um, we kind of get this otherworldly presence that plays a role in the novel um i loved this one um i will continue to read pretty much whatever jasmine ward puts out into the world i will read um but I'm I'm going to put Vaster Wilds ahead of it because I do think for me, when I rank books or when I rate books, I like to think about their um, 
their memorable, their memorability, like uh, whether or not I'll remember these characters, whether or not I'll remember these plot lines. So we'll talk about the Vaster Wilds in a second. But my number six is now officially Let Us Descend by Jesmyn Ward. Which I will say, so like, I swear, I'm going to become that person who's like, oh, I like, I'm going to be like a name dropper. I met Jesmyn. I saw a picture. I was so jealous. I think I DM'd you on Instagram. Let me, t- she's so kind too. And she recognized me from Instagram and I was like, okay, which kind of embarrassing because there was several other people who were like, Jasmine, we've met before. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, this is awkward. No, but like, like, which, but she's so kind of, but then it's one of those things where I, to be clear, I really liked Let Us Descend, but I do think it is very like to follow up Salvage the Bones and Sing and Buried Sing. It is so hard like to have like a one-two punch like that is very hard to set that bar that, that high. And so it's kind of like how no matter how great a Meryl Streep performance is, like I almost wonder if there's a fatigue Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Meryl Streep fatigue, like because I did not now I think it was an Oprah pick. So believe me, I'm I'm rolling my eyes as I'm saying this, but I felt like it wasn't as many places as it should be. Yeah. Um, Like I, I f- felt like I mean, yes, it's an Oprah pick, but I just didn't see it as many places. I feel like it does as it deserves Um, because I think it's still I think she's remarkably consistent as a writer. I mean, you're exactly right. Like to follow Salvage the Bones up with Sing Unburied Sing, then to follow Sing Unburied Sing up with Let Us Descend, I think is really hard. That's super challenging. Um, And I... I think Let Us Descend, and I may have texted you this, I think it is one of her more accessible works too. So like, I think my mom could read and love it, Mm -hmm. um, even though my mom doesn't always read what we would consider literary fiction. Like my mom is not drawn to that genre. Um, She's not drawn always to, you know, a National Book Award finalist or a Pulitzer winner. That's not her thing. Um, But I think she would read this and, and really like it. So I think that that is also really hard to do, like to do a really beautiful book or a well-written book that also appeals to a wide audience is hard. I agree with that. Um, so it's, so my number six is one of our crossovers, which is monsters by Claire Dieterer. Okay. Um, which loved it for the same reasons that you said. Um, and it's so funny because at this point I'm so tired of arguing with people that it's one of those things <laughs> where I'm just like, here, read this. Yes. <laughs> you know, like go away. Yes. Um, Yes. It's just a little bit easier. It's like a shorthand to be like, get to my level. Like, like no, this is what, Yeah. Have you yeah. read Monsters? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, it's, that's the thing though. It's like, I'm not, like, it's one of those things where like, it is a book where it is asking a lot of really hard questions and forcing you to ne- negotiate like your own value system stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, and I think that's really interesting. And so it doesn't answer the question for you, which I think is interesting. No, but I think it's exciting. And, uh, and that, that, but that's the thing though, right? It's like, Instead of how, like, and I think that's what we need to get to the point of is like being okay with sitting in the ickiness of no real good answer. Yeah. Yeah. That God, you're speaking my language. I sit here in the mushy messiness all the time. <laughs> okay. My number five is How to Stay Married by Harrison Scott Key. Oh, yeah. I love this book. I will sing its praises from the rooftops. It's probably an outstanding audiobook. Um, I got to, I'm, I'm going to say meet, but the pictures make it look that I, like I accosted Harrison Scott Key in a hallway. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most uh, hunter I've ever looked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
know, because I was just so excited to meet him. I think this book is stunning. It is deeply funny. Um, it could have been so wrong. I think that's what I was really most impressed by. It's a book about, um, it's a memoir about Harrison Scott Key's marriage and his wife's affair and how they have tried to work through that. And um, it could have been voyeuristic. I did not find it to be so. It could have been full of retribution. And I didn't think it was. I thought it was redemptive and interesting and kind, but also did not shy away from really tough, awful stuff. When I read a memoir, this is the kind of memoir I want to read. Um, I absolutely loved it. Can't stop talking about it. Can't stop putting it in people's hands. That's How to Stay Married by Harrison Scott Key. I really do want to read that too, because it sounds so good. It's really good. Have you heard about that new memoir, Molly by Blake Butler? No, why haven't I? Okay. Am I not You're cool going to have enough? to look it up because like, no, it's like, it ju- I think it just came out, but like, there's like, there's like. There's the drama? There's some, uh, yeah. So like, well, you'll have to like okay. look it up. We'll have to talk about it later. Like, I'm, like, I'm just like dropping this on the podcast. Anyway. Um, yeah. Everyone else look it up too. And then you got, we can all have a conversation later. Okay. So my number five is actually uh, a book I didn't know if I was going to like or not, uh, which is The Guest by Emma Klein. Oh, okay. Did you read this? No, I didn't. But you know, I mean, I liked the girls, but had complicated feelings about it. So I was very curious about this. Here's what I remember is Annie asking, should I just tear the first 40% of the girls off of the book and keep the first 40% because I like that part <laughs> and me thinking no you do not need to tear this book uh, in half why would you do that I've grown as a person since then I would never do such a thing but I do recall thinking the first half of that book was better than the back half yes I loved the guest so much I, like I could not put it down uh, my friend Bernie was like my friend Bernie was like it's fine I don't get the hype but it's a book about this woman who is having like a seven day spiral as she like navigates being among like these rich people as like a slum and uh, a slum or whatever. Anyway. And I, it's very like sad girl, messy, weird, but it's, we love a sad girl novel. It's, it's very good. It's very, um, it's well paced. And I think it has a very disorienting, uh, feeling in the last third that I really enjoyed. Is the pacing good? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's not like it's, it starts off a little bit like a slow burn, but it like starts to ratchet up and then you're like, Oh, and like, there's like a little reprieve for a second because I think you need it in this book because of what's happening, but it's so well-written. And I think, I think some of the issue I think with, it's funny because I think that my two issues with the girls were, was that at times it could be a little overwritten and that, the pacing can be off at times. And I think that those are the issues that she kind of resolved in this. Oh, good for her. Well, we yeah. love when a sophomore novel is even better than the first. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. Well, well cause that's the thing too, is that like everyone was thinking the girls was going to be like the big thing. Yeah. And so like, it's interesting to see how the guests kind of like, you that know, she could follow it yeah. up. Yeah. Okay, my number four is The Vaster Wiles by Lauren Groff. I am glad I moved it up because I do think this character is going to stick with me a long time. Um, Her resilience, um, if you're not familiar, this book is set in and around the Jamestown colony in, gosh, I think it's like 1637 or something like that. What I'm constantly amazed by Lauren Groff is her ability to make me care about something that I just didn't think I cared about. Um, Now, I knew I cared about nuns. Like I, I knew I would be interested in Matrix, but I was worried about the medieval setting. 
I did not realize how much I wanted a survival tale with a female protagonist and how many adventure stories are always told about male characters. And I feel like now I have an adventure story that one day I could pass on to my daughter and be like, look, this is this is an adventure story for women. It's a really excellent survival tale. Like I think she even maybe in interviews has referenced like Swiss Family Robinson and books like that. Um, And I certainly got that sense. Gosh, I just I just loved it. I love the language of it. She plays so well with language um, where she does these books that are set in the medieval in medieval times or set in 1637. And then she like adopts that language, but somehow makes it so it's not hard to read. Like it's still accessible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like um, I because I devoured this book and every time. I'll say this about Lauren Groff. Every time I start a new one of her books, I'm hesitant uh-huh. because I I honestly am worried she's not going to be able to follow up a book or, or like I'll finally reach the book that's not for me. Yeah. Like, so I hesitated to read Matrix. I hesitated to read The Vaster Wilds. And then I'm ne- I'm I've never been disappointed. Like, I've never been disappointed. Um, So The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff is my number four. Are you going to read Florida? You know, I really should. Now I should. Yeah, get a, yeah, get a like get, finish reading her books, please. I'm desperate. Yeah. I because I, I made um I made Bernie read all of her other books this year, and he was like, okay, she's great. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay. So my number four, which I feel like this will probably be on yours higher, um, and you'll see why mine is it, but uh, but it's In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. Yes, yes. Which I did. I loved this book. Like this was. I, like I could not put this book down. It's beautiful. It's engaging. Great characters. Like, I, like I was very emotionally invested the whole time. It's hard to like. It's like gay war. <laughs> like, which I don't know how it's just like. I like beautifully written gay war. That's all. It like, which to me I've realized is what I want. Like after because I've read a bunch of war novels at this point, and I'm yeah. like a gay war novel with beautiful language. That's all I want. Yeah. That she served it up. Yeah. So that's my, that's my number four. And I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm going to guess it's higher on your list or it's somewhere on their list. So like, it is. Yeah. So like, it's I'm coming sure you'll elaborate. Okay. So. Okay. My number three is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. This was, I think one of the first books I read this year where I finally was like, I think I read it in March and I finally was like, oh yes, here we go. Like it was one of like the first five star books I read or that I really felt like I I felt like, oh, this book will be in my top 10. And I was hesitant because I really liked Dear Edward, which is Anne Napolitano's book she had written previously. But like, I liked it and my mom liked it. Like it was an overlap for us. This book felt like the book Anne Napolitano was born to write. And it doesn't hurt, obviously, that this was an homage to Little Women. But honestly, even even once I got into the book, I felt like, yeah, it was in part a tribute to Little Women, but the characters became their very own thing. And um, it was a lovely, maybe partial tribute to Little Women, but I just found, I wound up caring about William all on his own um, and wound up caring about these Italian American sisters um, as their own entity outside of their relationship to the March sisters. I loved this book when I was uh, trying to find a quote for the top of today's episode. I looked up, you know, some passages from it and I thought, oh my gosh, this book is so good. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's one of those books that I'm worried people might have skipped because of the hype. And I would just urge you not to. The audiobook is narrated by Maura Tierney, but I would recommend the physical copy of this one. Um, So that is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I loved it. I actually really love that book too. I'm like, I'm actually, oh gosh, would I replace another? I don't know. Um, 
That is a book I actually really enjoy too. So I'm glad that you mentioned it. Um, this ne- my number three is a book that like I didn't think I was gonna like. I listened to the audiobook and I feel like that might have been part of what sold it for me. I don't think you liked this one as much as I did, but it's The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue. I loved this book. It was a shelf subscription of mine. Okay. Okay. Did you listen to the audiobook or did you read it? No, I read it. Okay. I feel like the audiobook really like put this one over the top for me because okay. I liked the, like when I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, like I really liked it. The narrator was so charming and the acts, I was saying this earlier, but like this like whole like Irish thing is like really getting to me. <laughs> and I thought like, I, I thought it was so funny. I love the friendship in this book. It's like, there's a lot of comparison to like Will and Grace throughout. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. It's, it's a book that has stuck with me. And also I love scandals. I love, I love affairs. I love any, anything messy. And I was like, this is a book for me. It's so good because it's the perfect amount of character driven and plot driven. Yes. Like so much happens in this book, but also it's essentially a book about two friends. Yes. Um, I, yeah, this is a good one. I had almost forgotten about it. It's real. It was a shelf subscription selection back whenever it released. I loved it. Okay, good. I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. Same. Okay, my number two, and y'all, again, it, it, it's like the, what, were we talking about this? I never know what was on the episode now and what we, we were talking about, but um, we're like Meryl Streep or Jasmine Ward. Yeah, where they just put out things and you almost become, you almost become immune to their greatness, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, uh-huh. But Tom Lake by Ann Patchett is my number two book of the year. Y'all. How does she do it? It's honestly anger inducing. Like, I I just am so frustrated by a writer who is this good all the time. And I don't want Meryl Streep and Jasmine Ward and Ann Patchett to go disregarded because they're excellent. Excellent people deserve recognition. And and, uh, Tom Lake, you're going to see it everywhere, I'm sure. Um, I I don't know if this is her best book. I I don't know. What I will say is when we talk about pandemic books, this is the kind of pandemic book I want. This is really the only pandemic type pandemic book I'm interested in. Um, But it's really a love letter to theater. It's a love letter to ordinary lives, ordinary quiet lives, which I am always here for. It's got a great a uh, great setting in um, in Michigan. Um, Nancy on stuff at the bookshelf read this and she was like, nothing happens in this book. And I was like, yes, Nancy. And that is why I love it. Like, I don't need anything to happen. I just love this family. And I know that I'm 37 years old without children, but I wish I had four daughters. <laughs> wish I had three three or four daughters who like would come help me pick cherries in the summer I so I think I just I think I said it on air but like I started this book today on audio and did you listen to it no I read it okay well because you know Meryl Streep narrates the audio oh yeah and let me tell you I was like wow this is it this is and and, but it's (laughs) like it is so but like so far as far as I'm in I'm like wow I'm like I think I said you know this probably would have made my top 10 if I had finished it because it's so good so far yeah it's so good. I, although I'm very, I'm gonna see. I'm very curious where it would land because I do think that Commonwealth is my number one in Patchett. Okay, over the Dutch House, even. Yeah. Which okay, I want to go back and read the physical copy of the Dutch House because I, I love Tom Hanks, but I don't know how I feel about that audiobook. Okay, because I read it. I haven't listened mm-hmm. to any of hers. I've I've read them and yeah. like Tom Lake. I underlined stuff. Like I marked notes in it, but I would like to go back. If I ever have time, like I would like to hear Meryl and I would like to revisit Dutch House. I recall that book making an impact on me because it's a 
brother sister book and we don't often get those um and so i felt a deep kinship with those characters i think i would have loved it more if i'd read it physical the physical copy but we'll see well like i'll go back. i'll reread okay. all of her books and i'll we'll rank them um okay <laughs> okay that's so, a fun episode right i think that but yeah <laughs> that's good so my number two is actually the beasting by paul murray dang it should i read this yeah, let me tell you, I like this book. It's very like Goldfinch-esque, a little life-esque, like that, like big sweeping, beautifully written. Each section focuses on one of the four people in this family. And the revelations that happen with each section are just like, I will tell you now, there's one section that's like a hundred something pages or around a hundred pages that does not have punctuation. However, oh, I see that is the thing that I think throws people off. But I think that it the way it's written, you can feel the rhythm of when the sentences start and stop. So you want after like two or three pages, you kind of fall into it. Um, But beautifully written, really engaging. I like I'm convincing Tyler to read it. And I I feel like and I wanted it to win the Booker Prize, but it did not. But I think it was deserving. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a little snooty and annoying about punctuation and stuff in books, but look, we can grow, we can change our minds. Yeah. It'll be (laughs) fine. Um, okay. My number one book, and it's been at the top since I read it is in memoriam by Alice Wynn. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I just love this book. I love these people. I hand sold this to so many people because I was like, you have to read this book. You will fall in love with these young men. Um, I am a sucker for hmm, I'm a sucker for a book about friendships and there is a really beautiful romantic relationship at the heart of this book but it is also a book about young men whose lives were cut incredibly short and they're bonding with one another they're befriending one another they're saving one another um yeah I just gosh I love it. I want somebody to make it into a movie. And at the same time, I don't because I feel like it could so easily be cheesy. And there were even parts of it where I was like, well, that's not believable. And then I thought, no, but the way she does it. It could be contrived, but it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it absolutely could feel like, oh, well, this is, you know, this would never happen. Uh-huh. And instead I was like, no, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever read. I loved it. When I think back, whenever I think how I should rank and I am feel very proud and good about my fir- my top six, especially I feel totally sold on. Um, but whenever I think like what's going to be at the top, I want to know, like, what is the book I'm going to remember at the end of the year. And so a couple years ago, it was the swimmers and that made its way to the top because, because we read so many books every year that for a book to be my top one, it has to be the book that like, I'm going to associate with that year. And I think in memoriam is one of those books that I'm going to be like, yeah, that was 2023. That was, that was the year I read that. Like, I think I'm going to have no problem associating the two of those things. So in memoriam by Alice Wynn is my number one. Gosh, now I'm wondering, it's fine. Um, like, I love how I'm like, I'm like, oh, should it have been higher? It's fine. Um, I, okay, my number one, which I will, will not be a surprise at this point, is The Master Wilds by Lauren Groff. Okay. This book is, it, like, it is, to me, the closest a book has ever come to being, like, a poem as a novel. Oh, yes. Good description. Right? Like, it is, like, Lauren Groff is a big fan of poetry, and I think that there, there's this, it's so funny, too, because there's this moment where she talks about, like, an orange peel, and... And that comes back towards the end of the book. And to me, this is actually my favorite ending that she's written to a novel. Mm, And 
I think she's written great endings for novels, but this is the one where I was like, oh no, this is, this is truly where, you know, and, and I've, and yeah, and I've read it twice and I've listened to it once and I, I got to like hang out with her, uh, in the, in the Florida Everglades basically for like two hours this year. So let me tell you something where I'm just so lucky. You're still friends with me. You have so many famous friends. You get to do all the coolest stuff. You are the coolest. And I am in awe. Do you really, it's so funny that you say that because I literally brag about you're in my friendship more than I brag about anything. <laughs> I just, I just sit here and I'm like, oh my gosh, Hunter got to go to the National Book Award like party and he met all these people. He met Jasmine Ward. Um, you're just the coolest guy I know. I think you're like the coolest person I know because I'm like, <laughs> like, like, tr- like literally ask anyone. I have I, for like, it's been almost for almost a decade now. Yeah. I have bragged about either <laughs> uh, forcing my friendship on you or then finally being your friend. <laughs> uh these are okay here's what i'll say i went into this episode thinking 2023 was fine and i'd like to take that back these are some good books right yeah yeah i'm pleased and listen to me if you read 10 excellent books in a year what is there to complain about 10 really good really beautiful really well-written books books are hard to write and that i read 10 really good ones that's a great year yeah and the thing is there are also other books that I probably could have swapped out. And been, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Well, this yeah. makes me feel better. This is why it's a fun episode to end the year on um, because you remember, oh my gosh, this actually was a really good year. Uh, sometimes I think you're so exhausted yeah. by the end of a year that you're like, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Was anything good? Yes, actually it was. Hunter, thank you for always. It's always winds up being like part confessional, part therapy and, and part top 10 list. So thank you so much. <laughs> This week, I'm reading God Speaks Through Wombs by Drew Jackson. Hunter, what are you reading? I'm reading The Happy Couple by, ooh, Nersha Dolan. Yes, that's right. I Because I read that book. Oh, perfect. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's podcast episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Kate O'Connell, Kristen May, Linda Lee Drost, Martha, Stacy Lau, Chanta Combs, Stephanie Dean, Ashley Farrell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Ari Johnson, Susan Eulings. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and helps us reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.